Hi, I'm Michael G. Williams, and welcome to Social Distancing Radio. I'm a novelist, and a reader and friend asked if I would read from my work as something they might find comforting and familiar amidst the uncertainty and anxiety we're experiencing from multiple sources in 2020. As of this opening, I've read Perishables, the first book of my five-book vampire and urban fantasy series, The Withrow Chronicles, published by Falstaff Books, aka falstaffbooks.com. If you'd like to pick up a copy for yourself, head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash perishables link. Now I'm reading from my short stories and other works, and occasionally I'll invite on a writer friend for special episodes called Public Domain Radio. Thanks for listening. I just want to take a moment at the beginning of this story to give you a content warning. This story contains scenes of substance abuse, alcoholism. It also contains scenes of family violence, specifically of a parent being physically abusive of a child. And it includes some really in-your-face parent death. So I want to bring that up at the beginning because some of these topics may be very upsetting for potential listeners, and I do not want to make anybody feel bad with these stories. Um, that's not the point. And so if those are things that you would rather not consume, then I suggest you move ahead to some other episodes that are not this story in specific. And I'm going to include this sort of content warning on any story like this in the future. Um, thanks for listening. sound of Rupert Giles, who is one of our cats, and who has decided (laughs) to come and walk around on my desk while I record the last part of Daddy Used to Drink Too Much. So let's get this fired up. Um, That's going to sound really funny and really sweet. He is a real sweet kitten. Yes, you are, mister. Yes, you are. That kind of sounds like I need a sip of this reed and wine. And Rupert has gone elsewhere to sing his little songs, which I think is probably for the best in terms of productivity. On our last walk together, Percy sang to me at first, but soon we fell silent. We had a route we walked together, a swooping whorl threading down deer paths between ambitious sweetgum saplings. He hadn't needed to guide me down for a while, but I let him anyway because we both enjoyed playing gentleman and lady. We came back to the house and he lifted me into the window, but stopped after and looked right into my eyes. His eyes were green and bright like new moss, alive and alert and shining like the sun. I need to ask you something, he said. I knew what was coming. I said, it's late. Ask me tomorrow. No, I need to ask now, with the moonlight on you, just like this. 
He licked his chapped lips and pushed out all the words at once. Won't you let me turn you? Be with me forever, just like this, just like you are now. We'll go away. His eyes shuddered a little as he looked away from me, towards some future he could see across dark hills. There's nothing here for either of us, so why waste time? You could get sick and die, or have an accident, or your daddy could go off again. If you let me, you'll be safe and strong. There won't be anything could hurt you. His beautiful green eyes pleaded with me to say yes, to show him my throat, to submit. That future he saw was invisible to me. No, I whispered. I leaned in and rested my right ear against his silent chest, slipping both hands around his narrow waist. I don't want that. I love you like crazy, like I don't know how to say. Every day I work just so I can be in my window as soon as it's dark, so I can hear it when you sing to me across the woods. I swallowed hard. But I don't want to be what you are. I don't want to be like this forever. I want to grow up and live and die old. My mama didn't get to do that. You don't have to live her life just because she can't. I loved him for saying that, but I leaned back and shook my head. I know, I smiled. But I want to stay me. I put a hand on his chest. You have to go now. Kiss me goodnight. He did, and I thanked him before I shut the window and closed the curtain. I didn't sleep. I lay there and thought about why I'd told him no, that moment when he'd run in and stood over Daddy with his fangs out. The more I thought about that, the more I'd realized one thing. He'd done to Daddy, just like Daddy did to me. Maybe Daddy deserved it. I didn't deny enjoying it either. Still, I couldn't get that out of my head when Percy stood over Daddy and roared just like Daddy'd done to me. I thought of what I'd asked, what had gotten me hit the second time. Had Daddy ever struck Mama that way? I felt I knew the answer now, and when I saw Percy's lace-fine fists beat Daddy in the face, it was the same story all over again. He was young and angry, and he'd stick up for me, sure, but if we ran off, I'd be the only one around the next time he flew into a rage. Percy was right. I didn't have to live Mama's life. For three days, everything was normal. Daddy didn't speak unless spoken to, and I kept the house going. Every night I'd lay in bed wondering if Percy would really stay away. I had started to think he would, that maybe I should patch things back up with Daddy since he was acting right. Percy came back the fourth night, right after the sun went down. The front door flew apart like a bomb had gone off, and Percy was standing where it had been. He stepped inside. Daddy was sitting at the table reading an old Bible. Before he could do anything, Percy knocked it out of Daddy's hands and sank his fangs into Daddy's neck. Daddy screamed until those teeth tore out his throat. Blood sprayed in a bright red arc in front of them. Percy's jaw dropped open like a snake's, and he wrapped his lips all the way around the hole in Daddy's neck. He pushed Daddy up against the wall and held him there. Daddy went white real quick as Percy made these deep, thick, gulping sounds. I heard a snap and realized Percy was crushing Daddy's rib cage. I screamed as loud as I could, but Percy didn't stop. Daddy went whiter than white, 
wider than Percy, before sliding down the wall and onto the floor like a rag doll. Percy squatted and grabbed each of Daddy's legs, squeezing them in his hands like he was kneading dough. I could hear the bones splinter. Daddy's eyes were open, fading, just the way I'd seen Mama's do when he died. When she died, he wasn't moving or screaming or anything. He just lay there while Percy wrecked both his legs in less time than it takes to say that aloud. Percy looked at me, blood all over his face. <clears throat> I can't make you go with me, he said, but I can make him suffer. This is the price he has to pay for hurting you. He'll be at your mercy forever. He'd said I'd forever be the way I was right then if he turned me. I opened my mouth to speak, but I was too slow. Percy bit into the ghostly flesh of his own wrist. Thick black blood like old engine oil welled up. He shoved it against Daddy's frozen mouth. You think a drink will make you strong? Have a drink of this. At first, Daddy just lay there and the blood ran into his mouth, but after a few seconds he latched on so hard Percy flinched. I wondered if Percy had ever done this before. Turned one of us. He let Daddy drink for a few seconds before shoving Daddy back again. Percy ran his own tongue over the wound and wiped his mouth on the sleeve of that Inverness coat. All it did was get blood everywhere. Our eyes met in silence for a second, then Percy walked back out the door. I saw him step into the woods, into the darkness, and I feared I'd never see him again. It was another night for crying. Daddy lay in the middle of the floor and wept to himself, his hands to his face. When he was just headed toward daylight, I crouched down in front of him and cleared my throat. Daddy wouldn't look at me, but he did flinch when he realized I was right there in front of him. I reached out and put my hands on his, pulling them away from his face. Great big tears of blood had dried on his cheeks. I've been working on getting your room ready, I said. We need to get you in there before the sun comes up. Percy told me he has to stay out of the sun, so I hung up some quilts over your window. It's a curse from God. That he wasn't looking at me and he wasn't really talking to me. It's a curse for the things I did to you and to your mama and all the other little sins of my life. It's a curse for being proud and thinking I could beat the devil. It's a curse for taking a drink. Hush, it's just another problem to solve. I wasn't kind when I said it. I put my hands under his armpits and tried to stand to hoist him up, but he was dead weight. Come on, you have to help. Under all the shock and anger and sadness... All the ways I realized were just another role in some player piano striking the same few notes for our family time and time again. I was surprised to realize I was also annoyed. Petty and threadbare as that emotion seemed at the time, I felt tired of having to wash the same emotional bowl. Everything had been okay when Mama was here, but now it was just one stupid situation after another, and they were all the same one over again from different angles. Daddy wasn't helping. Leave me here, he croaked. Let me see godly light one time. He blinked some of the fog from his eyes. Kill me, girl. Kill me right now before I hurt a living thing. With great frustration, I let go and stood up. Don't be stupid, I said. You don't want that. Don't tell me what I want. His voice was like the ghost of being drunk again. His voice faltered and he got quiet. 
Don't tell me what I want. Fine, I snapped. But we have to get you in that bedroom. Why? He looked directly at me and I blinked at the sudden shock of seeing that much pain in a person's eyes. When Mama had died, we'd both walked around empty for a while. Now, sitting here, Daddy didn't have that empty, passive suffering of someone who's waiting for life to regain its color. His suffering was impassioned and alive. Because he wants me to, I said. I startled myself with the realization even as I said it. That's why he did this. He can tell himself he did it to punish you, but he just wants to make sure I suffer without him. I'm not giving him the satisfaction. I'm not letting him smother to death everything I've got in this world so I'll have nothing to stop me running off with him. I pointed out the door, the way he'd gone, as though he were standing in the trees and watching us work it all out. Perhaps he was. My mouth fell dry, but I kept going. It isn't all about him, though. It's also about you and about me. Mama said you saved each other. You were a drunk, but she loved you enough to take off across the hills and give up everything else in her life. I want to know why. You could hit me a hundred times, maybe, and even though I would forgive you, maybe I, never, excuse me. You could hit me a hundred times, maybe, and even though I wouldn't forgive you for that, it would still be true that Mama saw something good in you. She saw in you the daddy I had while she was still alive, and she saw him before he existed. I think that's still in you. I want to find it, and I won't have a chance to do that if you die now. We stared at each other in silence. Now drag yourself to bed, Daddy, because the sun's about to come up. I looked meaningfully at the door and at his room before shutting myself away inside my own. I didn't sleep when I got between the covers. I listened instead for the birds that sing at sunrise and for Daddy to drag himself across the floor. I heard him flop around some and scrape his boots across the wooden slats. He was moving arm over arm, falling heavily forward every time he took another step on his elbows. I was sure it hurt. I listened to Daddy inch forward with agonizing grunts and groans until finally I heard him fall into the mud again, outdoors, beyond that busted front door. I waited for him to cry out, to ask me to help him get back inside, but he didn't say a word. The sun started to come up and I went out to stand at the door of my room, just in case he called to me, but still nothing. I didn't want him to die. But if we were going to do this, we had to do it together. I could see him out there, flat on his belly in the dirt, long streaks of brown blood behind him. Daddy stood up and stared at the blue-black sky and watched the sun climb over the ridge. When its rays burst across the yard, Daddy shrieked, just once. If he tried to say anything, he didn't get the chance. He was instantly a pile of smoking ash, a grotesque and crumbling statue of himself with his arms outstretched. He'd burned up in the blink of an eye. I thought of Lot's wife, turned to a pillar of salt when she gazed back in longing at the place where she'd lived a life of sin. I'd told him I wanted to see the part of him that made my mama run away, and he'd shown it to me. The capacity to imagine a life without constant anguish. A life that would let the two of them be free of the terrible things their families and they had done before. Now, with this final act, he'd shown me the same mercy. He had chosen to put an end to what would have been an awful life for both of us. I thanked him many times that morning while I cleaned up the mess, and I haven't stopped thanking him yet. Well, 
That's the end of Daddy Used to Drink Too Much, uh, the week before Father's Day. That is not something I planned, but there you go. Um, so, I feel like I should talk about the story. Um, I feel like we already talked about the story some. So, let me take a sip of wine and think about it. I think, obviously, one of the things I wanted to talk about was people breaking the cycle of abuse in their families. Um... There were patterns of abuse in my family, as I've discussed. There were different patterns of abuse in my family that I did experience. And um, there are things that I chose to to break with, but that I have only limitedly ever been willing to discuss. And um, I'm not about to discuss them here. I'll just say... That at the time that I wrote this, that was very much on my mind, and I wasn't even really confronting why that was. Again, it's interesting to see things you know about yourself now show themselves in your work from years ago. But that's the way it is. Um, So, that is Daddy Used to Drink Too Much. It's the first in the trilogy of short stories. The next story is from Wrapped in White from Sekhmet Press. And that one was an anthology of ghost stories. It is connected to this one, although that connection is not obvious until the third story, which will come much later. Um, But I'm looking forward to reading that second story and that third story because I really enjoyed both of those a lot. Um, So... I will see you next time. Oh, next time we're doing public domain radio. My friend Samantha Dunaway Bryant, who is a writer and fantastic writer. She's written a really great series. Uh, She's written a lot of things. Um, The thing that I know the best by her is the menopausal superhero series, which is super, super good. Really fun. Uh, That was not a pun that I was saying there when I said it was super good. Um, Just a really fun series and very thoughtful uh a lot more like morally and psychologically complex than you might think when you hear superhero fiction um in the same way that comic books these days ask much bigger questions than we normally associate with that medium these novels ask huge questions about life and about the characters in them and a lot of these characters have to confront things about themselves that they didn't know or like and they have real arcs and they really go through some changes And it's really just a phenomenal series. So Samantha's going to come on. She's going to read a little from her work. She's also going to read a little from a public domain work that she really loves. And we're going to talk about both of those. And that'll be later this week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. This podcast is released under Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. The theme music is Bucked Contemporary Boom by Kara Square, available under a Creative Commons attribution license at ccmixter.org.